I'm Jamie O'Kane, CPA, Small Business Advanced Tax Planning and Compliance Extraordinaire. And this is the Abundant Beans Podcast, the podcast that takes my love for learning what makes people tick while digging into the good, bad, and ugly of small business ownership. We strive to give you the insight that only those in the trenches of being and working with entrepreneurs can provide. Uh, today, we'd like to welcome to the podcast, Peter Montoya. Uh, So Peter bootstrapped his successful software company from an idea in 2008 to a multi-million dollar exit in 2018 without capital investors or partners. Peter knows how to inspire people by tapping into their unique purposes. Peter is a truly fascinating and multifaceted guy with decades of experience in speaking to audiences about his business knowledge, inspirational journey, and human behavioral insight. I thought that said behaviorist. Can't read that loud. The Peter's, Peter struggled through school with undiagnosed ADHD. Have you been diagnosed? I've been diagnosed since. Yes. Okay. Uh, I've been talking about this a lot more on the podcast because I was diagnosed recently. Uh, he admitted to uh, he was admitted to and graduated from the University of California Irvine in political science. Uh, Post college, became a traveling speaker and salesman, chalking up over three thousand presentations and living in over twenty two major cities. Holy cow. Mm. Uh, which one is your favorite? Is oh, the gosh, one you live I, in yeah. now? I, I like Orange County. I love San Francisco. I love New York. I love Washington, D.C. Hmm. I've only been to two of those. Uh, Peter went on to found a successful advertising agency and software platform dedicated to financial service platforms. And then there's books. We'll put those all in the description box because this is the longest bio ever. Welcome. Thank you. So glad to be here. <laughs> um, so I, like I said, I was diagnosed with ADHD recently within mm. the last like 12 months uh, and I got medicated. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and it's just been so much better. I know. It's, it's amazing. Like, you just turn the TVs down a little, you know, or just. <sighs> it's very true. That's how it was for me too. I was taking my son and daughter in to get mm-hmm. them assessed. Mm-hmm. And as they were assessing my kids and tell, talking about their symptoms, it was like, and they talk about how it's hereditary. And I go, yeah. oh, my wife must have had it. And they talk about all the symptoms. And I go, oh no, they're talking about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I now understand why school is so incredibly hard for me. Yeah. And it's so, you know, and we know that like adult ADHD is different than kid ADHD, like ADHD. I've listened to like a ton of books on it too, because that's how I am. I'm like, I got to gather all the data. Um, but girls are so different than boys. Like I'm highly functioning. I have been just getting stuff done and doing stuff. It's just been really hard. And the medication has just been, just gives me just, just a little help. That's so awesome. It is so awesome. ADHD, when it's, when it's done right, is actually like a superpower. It is a superpower. I say that all the time. I'm highly competent at a lot of things because ADHD. And then highly deficient in others. (laughs) That's right. Like productivity, getting stuff done. (laughs) For me, it's different. I, I'm able to actually put my head down and focus when I really am focused on something, like I Mm -hmm. enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I can do it for 12 hours a day. Exactly. Now, if I have anything less than, than enjoying doing it, I, really have a hard time with which is very like i think that's very true for a lot of us with adhd like if i can like find a way to be super interested in something i will just research the hell of it and i will know everything about that topic right. like right now i'm learning how to knit and i'm only on my third project and i'm like real good at it because awesome. i've watched a thousand youtube videos mm-hmm. and i'm like you know like i'm because i'm interested in it 
yeah. you know? Um, so the, yeah, it is, it's a superpower. <laughs> And incredibly deficient and other things. Very true. So tell us, what was your first job? Ooh, first job out of college, I went to work for the biggest motivational speaker in the world back in the day. And probably still is. And I was a front man. And my job was to drop into a city two months before he got there, go out and do presentations for every sales company in town and sell tickets to his presentation. Oh, wow. Who was that? Tony Robbins. I was going to say, is it Tony Robbins? <laughs> I usually don't like sharing that because I don't want people to, I don't want to be painted with that brush. Right. Uh, I'm, he's not really my cup of tea. Mm-mm. He's a very accomplished guy, done mm-hmm. a lot. I agree with a lot of what he does and then also don't agree with a lot of what he does. Mm-hmm. So I like to kind of have my own identity. No, no, totally. I think it's very interesting, but so, cause you took what you resonated with probably mm-hmm. from Tony yeah. Robbins, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't get Tony Robbins. I don't, he's not somebody that resonates with me at all. Um, but I know he does with other people. Yeah. So, I mean, whatever works. Yeah. He's got a cult-like following, a global cult-like following. Uh, He's a a master promoter. He's Mm -hmm. really good at PR. He's a great speaker, great facilitator. And then some of the things are a little questionable. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is, I mean, true of all of us, right? We've got the good and the bad and whatever we get to decide. Yeah. In ever. many ways, uh, I think of him like a, a Bill Clinton-like character where mm-hmm. he's like the best of human beings and mm-hmm. the worst of human beings all, all in one. In one. <laughs> all at the same time. But that's kind of like, I think we kind of all are, mm-hmm. right? Like if yeah. you broke it all down into like our components, it'd be like, wow, you're real shitty here, but you're just like amazing at this, right? Yeah. I think especially when you look at a lot of high-performance people, they can be. There's mm-hmm. very, very few high-performance people who are just um, spotless. And there are, there are some out there, but everyone's yeah. got their flaws when you come yeah. down to live with them. We're all fallible. Mm-hmm. Big time. Um, so give us the cliff notes on your career journey. Got it. So I was living on the road for five years. That's 22 mm-hmm. major cities over five years. And then I, you know, 28 years old, I really knew that I knew it all already. So I was ready to be an entrepreneur. Of course. So I... Started an advertising agency specializing in personal branding, which is a brand new philosophy back in 1998, 1999, and decided to specialize in working with financial service professionals. Uh, The only problem was I didn't have a single client uh, or a single contact or any experience in the business. Um, I didn't realize this was a bump or a hindrance to getting into the business. Mm -hmm. So I got myself a little 200 square foot office and I cold called for six hours a day for the first two years. Wow. That's very extroverted of you. Yeah. It was really, really hard. (laughs) I was a master swimming at the time. I go to the, go to the the pool at six o'clock in the morning, come back, get in the office and just start making the phone, making phone calls. This was the ADHD. It's like, I I realized this is what I had to do. There was no way around it. I had bills to pay. And so I just, made it happen. Uh, and so I had an advertising agency until 2006 or seven, mm-hmm. specializing in financial advisors. Along those time, I wrote the book called The Brand Called You, The Personal Branding Phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And I was part of that early wave in um, personal branding. And then in 2006, I transformed my advertising agency into a software business. Uh, and that's where I found a lot more success. And again, just working with financial service professionals. Uh, I've got a, a really good name in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so whenever I had a new offering, they were always willing to listen. That's really cool because financial advisors really are just solo. Yeah, they are. A lot of the time. 
Yeah, they're yeah. usually I work one with main offices, offices, two main offices, five main offices, sometimes 10 or 15. Yeah. But usually they're all small business practitioners. And mm -hmm. so they need a lot of support. They run they great businesses, high integrity people, love working with them. They're fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, as a CPA, I get a lot of financial advisors that want to talk to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. And I was like, they love networking like, with CPAs. Y'all, I have like 30 of you. <laughs> There's, you know, I have a handful that I work closely with, um, but most of them are offices because I feel like I get more dynamic advice mm -hmm. and stuff for our clients from the offices. Um, yeah, they're great. Um, I also am related to a few financial advisors. So yeah. Um, so let's just kind of dive in. So, you know, what you're doing right now is leadership uh -huh. mostly. Um, yeah, I'm so, a leadership so development. So tell us more about the role of businesses and organizations in the future of humanity. Oh, let's talk about that. Yes. So let me ask you my favorite uh, question. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a hard question. Okay. So based on our current trajectory, mm -hmm. based on the current trajectory in 50 years, will mm -hmm. human civilization be better or worse than it is right now? Right now? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's July 20. First, 2020, just <laughs> right. dating this episode real fast because we don't know when it's going to go up. And we're in the middle of COVID-19 pandemic in the United States. I'm hoping better. Yeah. I would hope better. I, I'm hoping better too, but I'm not that optimistic. I'm not either. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if there was a lot of like you and me, maybe. I don't we know. Can make it happen, right? We can make it happen. Two of us, you and I. I think yeah, so you know, before this, Peter and I were just talking about like learning and understanding and how we change our minds and all of that. Um, yeah, so, I don't know. I think it's worse and you can pick any, basically you're looking at the way that we as a country are salt working on this problem. Mm -hmm. And there is massive amount of disinformation, massive amount of people actually working for their own political gains rather than the best interests of the population. Mm -hmm. And you extrapolate that and you go, okay, we're gonna tackle another big problem like uh, nuclear armament or uh, climate change um, or pollutions of the ocean and the acidity rates. That, mm -hmm. that one issue right there alone uh, could do us in. Mm -hmm. uh, and you start looking at these other issues and going, how are we ever gonna handle these really big big long-term mm -hmm. problems, uh, I'm a little bit worried. If we can't handle a pandemic. Correct. Yes, correct. Something that is like directly affecting each and every one of us mm -hmm. in some degree. Yep. It's, it's affecting all of us right now. Most mm -hmm. of us are not handling it all that well. No, so, um, that's, <laughs> we're not. <laughs> that is the reason why I'm in leadership is I really think the goal of any leader mm -hmm. is to produce better leaders than themselves. Mm -hmm. So my goal is to continue to educate and develop the next generations of leaders. Mm -hmm. And most people don't think of themselves as leaders. Uh, a lot of people think that leaders are people who stand on, on podiums and orate to thousands of people but everyone is a leader. You're either a leader of your organization, your company, um, or your community, company or community. Mm -hmm. You're a leader of your uh, family and friends, mm -hmm. uh, hopefully in the positive way, but a lot of people are negative influencing their family right. and friends. Uh, and most importantly, you are first and foremost, a leader of self. And you know that by basically looking at whatever you've accomplished. So, you know, if you look at where you are in your life, kind of a, a self-assessment, mm -hmm. you know, your, your living situation, your car, your relationships, your happiness, your health, and you grade yourself very subjectively, mm -hmm. kind of where you are mm -hmm. in your life, you know, I've done pretty well, I'm a B, B plus. Well, that's your leadership grade. But so it's really, really easy to kind of assess 
where you are. And, and I want people living a lives. That's, that's what I want. So how do we, you know, so really the big, the big thing is to have people take leadership, right? Or to assess their leadership or understand their leadership. Yeah. And how they lead. Yeah. I mean, obviously the first thing is to get people to go, oh, this is leadership. <laughs> My life is a leadership activity right? that I'm constantly being engaged on. Uh, just to myself and not to, mm -hmm. not for anyone else's approval or disapproval, but just mm -hmm. for yourself. That's the first step. So how do we, so how do we acknowledge that? And then how do we foster it? So yeah. how do we help people understand that they're, they are leaders at least in something, right? Mm -hmm. They, maybe they just choose what they eat every night or they choose what to watch t on TV. Like they are making leader decisions, you know? They, they are. They yeah. get up, go to work, whatever. That's all leadership. Uh -huh. how, do, how do we foster that? So, you know, I, I love starting where, where I just started there a second ago, mm -hmm. which is kind of asking people to kind of give themselves their own self-assessment. Yeah. Uh, and as soon as they give themselves a self-assessment self, self of where they are, where they are in their life as a kind of opposed to where they kind of project themselves to be, mm -hmm. now they're on the playing field of at least thinking like a leader. Mm -hmm. Then we can get in and start talking about what I call the master values. Um, and you know, I've always, you know, I've sat in a, a hundred different conversations about leadership values mm -hmm. and they all kind of look at values all the same. And I don't, uh, I think that there are these operational values, which mm -hmm. are five of them that help us. And they're actually, I really think a uh, core to all of us. Mm -hmm. You don't get to pick those in, in my estimation until I get proven differently. Those five master values, then you can pick the other ones that are important to you. What are those five master values? All right, we'll start with number one. Uh, number one is integrity. And integrity to me actually has four components. So most people get the first two, which is you know telling the truth, making mm -hmm. sure that your version of reality is accurate. That's you know, one. Or accurate -ish. Number two is doing what you're, sorry. Accurate-ish. <laughs> Accurate-ish, right. We are human beings. We are right. delusional. We have we our own bias. We just want to make sure we're striving to be as accurate as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. And the people that we dilute the most is ourselves on a very regular basis. So we really have to practice being really radically honest. Mm -hmm. um, number two is keeping your agreements, always doing what you say you're going to do. And the most important person you got to keep your agreements with is yourself. So that's number two. Number three, if you look in the dictionary, they talk about high character or high value. Hmm. And I think easiest way to look at that one is, is that you want to make sure that every time you have an interaction with a person or an organization mm -hmm. is you want to make sure you have a win-win. Mm -hmm. So every time we have an interaction with somebody else, there are four different scenarios. Um, I win, you win. Mm -hmm. I win, you lose. Mm -hmm. You win, I lose, or we both lose. Mm -hmm. And so a person of high integrity really wants to make sure, once again, subjective, that both parties win. And the fourth and maybe most important part of integrity is to be whole. And that means to be somewhat free, or sorry, to be constantly working on any of your resentments and unresolved issues. Mm. You go, Peter, what does that have to do with integrity? Well, to be integrous is to be whole. Mm -hmm. And when we as human beings are carrying around burdens, regrets, resentments, worries, it affects us. The, the phrase hurt people will hurt other people or 
hurt people hurt people mm -hmm. is really true. So if you are not resolving your issues on a regular basis, you will make bad decisions and hurt other people. It's mm -hmm. hard to be integrous um, when you're carrying around all that baggage. That's so true because it's really hard, especially it's hard to do win-win mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and it's hard to keep your agreements if you're mm -hmm. burdened by other things, right? Mm -hmm. Even to yourself, because yeah. then you've just got your own noise. Mm -hmm. Correct. Sure. So yeah, hurt and pain is the single best way to distort reality. So I'm assuming you've probably heard about these you know, cognitive distortions mm -hmm. and hurt and pain is one of the best ways to contort reality. Hmm. There's no one who is more distorted about reality than someone who's furious. If you see somebody who's angry, mm -hmm. all of a sudden they are contorting and they are generalizing and they're blowing things up. Uh, yeah, it's the, the best way to distort reality is to be angry or hurt. Huh. Interesting. Mm. All right, what's number two? Number two, absolute responsibility. Okay. So regular responsibility is about blame or shame. It's about who's at fault. And absolute responsibility is about owning the situation independent of who caused it. So basically saying, this is where we are. These are the results. This is my life. Uh, independent of who caused it, resentment, mm -hmm. blame, shame, and then actually changing it to the way you want it to be. We cannot change what we do not own. Mm. Got it. I like yeah. it. So absolute responsibility is not, of course you want to know what caused it. You can mm -hmm. look at what caused it, but without all the resentment and the anger and the finger pointing and the blaming mm -hmm. um, and the rumination where we go back and relive it in our minds 10,000 different ways, thinking it's going to come out differently after the 10,000th time, time we've replayed it in our minds, mm -hmm. which doesn't work that way. So absolute responsibility is just owning the situation going, okay, so what? This is, so what? Now what are we going to do? Mm -hmm. This is what we're looking at. How to fix it. Exactly it. So absolute responsibility is one of the master values. Now, number three is going to surprise you. Number three is skepticism. When you hear the word skepticism, what do you think, Jamie? I think, um, well, actually, I think skepticism is healthy. Mm -hmm. um, I think I'm a healthy skeptic because uh, mm -hmm. I'm always asking questions. So really, why? Yeah, yeah good. <laughs> what happened so, there? Yes. A lot of people think that skepticism means cynicism, like that mm -mm. means to be negative. And no, mm -hmm. skepticism is basically to assess what is true. Mm -hmm. It is to proportion a amount of level of confidence commiserate with the level of evidence. Mm -hmm. So Jamie, if I told you I could run a sub five minute mile, you would say what to me? I would say prove it. Prove it, <laughs> right. Let's go take you out to the tracking. Pictures and <laughs> or didn't happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm actually going to clock you doing it. And uh -huh. that's more or less it. That way I can actually know that it's true. If you do mm -hmm. a 502, I'm going to say, well, good job. It's not sub, not sub five minutes. I can no longer run a sub five minute mile. <laughs> long, long, long. I could never run a sub 10 mile. So you're good. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't come from running stock. <laughs> so skepticism is really, really, really important. Here's the mm -hmm. reason that skepticism is so important is all leadership, all decision-making, all collaboration, all cooperation model, every single model you ever look at all begins with a common agreement on what the facts are. Mm. So we have to agree on the facts first before we can actually get into problem solving. The reason our country, well, sorry, 
there are many reasons why our country feels like you're, like you're waking up and beating your head against the wall is because there is a massive disinformation campaign being waged right now. Mm -hmm. And there, is, there are some facts along with a lot of fiction. And so when you get in an argument with someone on Facebook and you are so incredibly frustrated because mm -hmm. they're working on different information than you are, mm -hmm. um, that is the reason why we are so incredibly frustrated on social media. That's one of the many reasons we are so incredibly frustrated. Because we are faced with a problem right now that requires cooperation of other people. Mm -hmm. And half the people are basically going, look, you do what you do. I'm going to do what I do. It's not my problem. And that's not how this problem is working right now. My favorite is when they're like, do your research. Right. Oh, right. you're not going to provide me with any of the data you have on this? <laughs> right. Nothing. You got nothing. Okay. <laughs> so I'm supposed to go research something that I can't find. Mm-hmm. And you won't provide me with your data. Right. So more or less, it's called the, the burden. So basically, whoever makes the argument is has the burden of proof. They actually have to provide all the information exactly. to back up their claim. <laughs> if they cannot back up their claim, it is then baloney. Just like my claim that I could run a sub a sub five minute mile. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was. I'm always just like going through the logical fallacies. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh, the logical fallacies. What do we great. have here today? <laughs> I have a straw man, slippery slope. Bingo. Uh, At home. <laughs> yeah, there there are a lot of fun. And I think if you if people who are listening, you can go to whatsyourfallacy.com, mm -hmm. I think. And there's a great poster where you can learn about logical fallacies. That's a good one. Then they're really good because you can start identifying mm -hmm. the weaknesses of your own arguments. Mm -hmm. As much fun as it is to point out the people who are making bad arguments, it really is wasted on them. If you call out their arguments, they won't care. They don't know. You want to know them is so you can improve your ability to make mm -hmm. logical decisions. Yeah. I don't know, man. And the last little thing I'm going to give you with mm -hmm. um, skepticism before we move on is that there are, um, I have to talk about levels of competence. Mm -hmm. There are certain language that we use uh, when we're talking about how confident we are. So the lowest level of confidence is think. I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry, wonder. So like, you know, um, if you said, Peter, let's go to Waffle House. And I go, gosh, I wonder if they have a different dinner menu. I have got like a, you know, zero to 15% level of confidence. They have a separate dinner menu. I don't even remember. <laughs> I haven't been there for a long time. So we're at that place of wonder mm -hmm. up to about, you know, 15, 20% level of confidence. Like then we go from like 20 to 50% level of confidence. And that's the word think. So if you said, uh, Peter, uh, what are the planets in our solar system? I would go, I think there is nine. I think it goes Mercury. Oh, I always forget. <laughs> Earth, then then Mars, then, uh, Saturn, Jupiter, Uranus, and Pluto, and Venus. Venus is probably the third, second or third one. So you, you see my level of confidence with that, right? Yeah. You can see the pain on my face. Mars is on one end of right. us. I'm not sure <laughs> it's which. Number four. We're three. Right. So I think it goes Mercury, Venus, Earth, oh, and Mars. Mm -hmm. All right. Got it. So, I, you know, I just know they get colder. <laughs> right. They get colder. <laughs> So you say my level of confidence, that's kind of like yeah. a feat, I think. Yeah. Then we go to belief. And belief is like, you know, 50 or 60%, all the way up to about 95%. Mm -hmm. So if you ask me right now, where is my 16-year-old daughter? I would go, I believe she's at her mom's house. This is a week when my kids are with their mom. Mm -hmm. So she's usually at home at one o'clock on a, what was it, Tuesday. Tuesday. That's where I, you know, believe that she is. But mm -hmm. I would never put the word no on that. My daughter is wily. You never know mm -hmm. where she might be. I have one then, of those uh, too, a wily one. 
<laughs> and then at 95% level confidence plus, that is the word no. And that is a very important word. Mm -hmm. So Jamie, I know that you and I right now are on a Zoom call. I'm going to give that only a 95 to 99% level of confidence. <laughs> I'm only 95% sure I clicked record. Oh, yep, I did. Okay, good. Did. I noticed it. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's, that's, those are the words that we use to, mm -hmm. to, to kind of talk about our level of confidence. And I have a lot of people who are believers and they go, you know, I'm convinced, you know, there's a God above and I'm convinced that accept me in heaven one day. Mm -hmm. That's a perfect word. Convinced is the word of belief. Mm -hmm. uh, the word no would be after you've actually experienced. So you can go on coming mm -hmm. from a place of knowing. So those are the kind of the words we use. And then we should so use no. those. Go ahead. Workplace. Go ahead. So no is like, I have seen it. I have touched it. I have tasted it. I have whatever. Like I have full on knowledge of this thing. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. So I say uh, all of my knowledge is temporary pending new information. Yes. I love that. All of us temporary. <laughs> so true. All of us temporary. And very simply, my goal is to make sure that my internal reality matches the external reality as much as possible. I want to believe as many things that are true and as few things that are false. And what skepticism is about is the active ongoing process of cultivating that. So you're mm -hmm. constantly throwing out things that are not true and believing more things that are true. Mm -hmm. I was actually talking to my VA the other day about conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I just, I'm not built for conspiracy therapy theories. I have too many <laughs> questions. Also, I don't think that people are that coordinated, smart, or motivated. Yeah. I just oh, that's, that's don't. <laughs> yeah. Just like, don't. I don't believe that. <laughs> yeah. You look at any conspiracy theory and it has to do with connecting the dots uh, and all these other people working in concert with each other for some kind of nebulous outcome. It's like, you know, why would we be living, living in a big giant flat dome? Who would do this? Who would spend the money to do that? Why? How? Like, <laughs> just, I don't, I was, I went down a rabbit hole this last weekend on some conspiracy theories and I was just like, that would just take way too much coordination. <laughs> right. I don't know anybody who project manages that well. Yeah, I, I, I could not agree with you one more. That's your absolutely positively right. All right. Uh, okay. Four. Oh, oh, number four. Oh, number wow, okay. Four. Yep, you're right. All right. Uh, commitment to a meritocracy. So when we, a meritocracy more or less is where the best people advance and the best ideas win. That's what a meritocracy is. And more or less everything else is what we call going political. Right. So merit. Meritocracy. A meritocracy. So I actually heard it yesterday. Somebody said that the other day and, and it just took me a second because I thought they said Amera, like together. Right. And I was like, is that American? I will make sure that it I took me just like slowly. a second, but I was like, oh no, they meant a meritocracy, like you right. just said. Yeah. So, but I just wanted to make sure. Let's go look up that word. <laughs> meritocracy. Meritocracy. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Uh, so obviously what happens in organizations so oftentimes when they are not committed to a meritocracy mm -hmm. uh, is they oftentimes get political, which means decisions are made to benefit either individuals or factions or one group versus the whole. Mm -hmm. So a meritocracy is very, very guided toward uh, making sure that everyone, uh, the, the best interest of the organization is actually being served. And then... Number five, the fifth and most important, I'm um, sorry, not just, just the fifth. I said there uh, was four. Go ahead. Oh, I lied. It's you did. Go ahead. I totally lied. Sorry, I got room for five. You're fine. <laughs> Good. Is uh, humility. Mm 
So humility is the, it's a couple of different things, but more or less it is to realize that you are no more or less valuable than any other human being on the planet. Mm -hmm. To see yourself objectively, both strengths and weaknesses, and also the speed at which you can admit that you were wrong. Ah. Huge. So when I make mistakes, I want to admit that I made the mistake as close to the moment they occurred. And it is an ongoing challenge to see how quick I can get to the next moment so I can correct it both in the, in a, in the interpersonal relationship mm -hmm. and or course correct in whatever I'm doing. So it's very interesting. Actually, we were talking, I was talking to my kids the other day about um, the component, proper components of an apology. Mm. Um, I had a run-in with, with somebody. And uh, he was not very nice. Mm -hmm. um, and he proceeded to send me some flip-flops or just like, like as an apology, a package. Um, and in the package was a note and it was just like some rhyme. Like, I know I flopped. Hopefully we can flip it. I was like, this isn't an apology. Right. So my daughter now calls those flip-flops the non-apology flip-flops. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> we were talking about the components of an apology, right? right? And I was like, I'm not mad about it. Like, it's totally fine. I'm not working with this person. Right. Right. Ever. <laughs> right. Um, so if they, if they had done that's that. that's not how we apologize. Right. So if they had done that and actually had said there, hey, Jamie, I did this. Mm -hmm. I want you to know how truly sorry I am for it. Uh, can you forgive me? And this is how I'm going to not do it again. Got it. Right. I've changed my policy or I'm going to get all the data before I call you and yell at you. So being cute is not an apology. Yeah, no, I was like, I'll keep the flip-flops though. The rest <laughs> is trash. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> nope, not going to work. But yeah, it's too funny. Mom, can I wear the non-apology flip-flops? <laughs> or maybe you can wear the non-apology flip-flops. <laughs> uh, but I take those things like to my kids like, cute, huh? They're like, yeah. It's like, is that an apology? They're like, no. 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 Change your behavior. Then what's up? So how do we, oh man, it's five things, but they're big things. I know. I know. They feel kind of big. Yeah. I, I really have a hard time. Let me ask you this. If you were to throw one out, which one would you throw out? Which one do you think is not important? It's hard because you can't, you need all of them I together. I know. Because like, humi like humility is like knowing you don't know everything, therefore skepticism, right? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, commitment to meritocracy. I mean, that's integrity. Yeah. I mean, they yeah, kind of all, they all kind of move together. What am I missing, Jamie? What should I have on that list? I've got one oh. other that I'm playing with, but I haven't put it on. Oh, there. really? No. Oh, well, that's a really interesting question. Let me think about it. Okay. Um, I might come back. Let me actually, let me go back through my notes real quick because I might have written it down for you. <laughs> I do that sometimes. I love that. Uh, value objectivity. Um, every, I put higher, everyone at their highest and best, which is meritocracy, basically. Right. Uh, levels of confidence. So we kind of talked about that. I wonder if there's a way to move those into skepticism. You talked about common agreements. How do we, hmm, I don't know. Yeah. I'll think about it. The one I'm thinking about adding, list? but we have got five of these already. I mean, I hate adding a sixth master value. Authenticity is that big one. That was it. I think that works with integrity. Yeah. 
So that was the one I was thinking about adding is authenticity. I'm, I'm looking up at my values board. Like, yeah. You know, how does, yeah. you know, what are ours or, you know, what are the ones I've picked for the organization and ours are communication, abundance, authenticity, conation and servant literacy. Conation. Conation and servant leadership. Wow. What's conation mean? Uh, conation is um, concerted effort in the same direction. Wow. That's awesome. Cool. I believe. I love it. Uh, there's also the opposite of that. What is disconation? I believe. Yeah. You can look it up. There's a whole book about it. I used to be in a mastermind group and the guy was okay. all about the conation. I love part. it. Um, but yeah, so authenticity is a big one for us or for me, yeah. uh, which is why podcast does so well. And then abundance as a, as a big one. Interesting. Uh, especially as a business owner, mm-hmm. working in abundance is completely mm-hmm. different mindset. Than, where did you get introduced to that idea? Um, I don't really know where I got introduced to that idea. It was, it was a movement of being an employee for so long to being a business owner. Mm-hmm. Like I had to, I had to have a different mindset about mm-hmm. how I spent money and who I took care of and how I took care of people. Um, one of my big things is just like pay out the people. Like if you send me a bill, you're getting paid. If I have to put right. a credit card, you're getting paid. I don't, right. I don't care because my money problems are not your money problems. Mm-hmm. If you've done a service for me or owe you money or whatever, you get paid immediately. That's the awesome. second that thing hits my inbox. Right. I love um, that. Just, and then in my mind, I have to be like, we're good. It's going to come back. You know, like I'm taking care of people. I'll get taken care of at some point. Right. So that's always been one of like, I figured that one out real fast. Um, and so it just led to more like abundant mindset. You know, I don't have to save everybody. You know, mm-hmm. this tax work, this is not emergency services, right? You know, we provide amazingly valued services. Some people don't want to pay for them. That's okay. <laughs> you know, they just don't, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, like somebody else will come. Window closes, door opens, you know. Being, having that mindset as a, that mindset as a business owner is, it's hard, especially if you've been an employee your whole life and you've been budgeting, just, you just have your wages and that's what it is. Right. But once you move to business ownership, the sky's the limit Mm -hmm. and you have to be like, you have to be able to receive that. Um, And that's an abundant mindset. You have to be like, okay, this one's not for me. Totally fine. We're moving on. So love that. It's great. And you know, because of that, like I will pay everybody at any time. Like, again, it hits my inbox. I'm paying you. I'll mm-hmm. figure it out. Um, I have some very loyal service providers, like the gal okay. who does my websites and my branding. Yeah. I'm the top of her list of stuff to do because she knows she's gonna get paid. Right. You know, it's really helpful. It is to you have, take care of your vendors. It, yeah, it takes, go extra, the extra mile for you. Yeah, it creates loyalty. It creates you know great relationship with these people. Mm-hmm. My website builder, like I don't even need to give her input. <laughs> really, she'll just be like option A, option B, or she'll be like, here you go, it's done. Like it's I know awesome. you well enough that we're good. Um, just taking it takes a lot of it's relationship building too. Um, but. Yeah, I was just saying, if you work for a small, if you work with a small business, the best thing you can do is just pay them. Mm-hmm. Just pay them, just pay what they ask for. Sometimes if I don't think they ask for enough, I'll pay them more. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to create amazing relationships. It is. Because yeah. you value also them. Get more, also get referrals too. That yeah. Way too. And then you value them because you were just saying, I value you. I value what you bring to the table. Here we go. 
but it was, it was a shift. Um, and it's, again, it's hard. It's a hard value to get people to embrace, but I celebrate you. Eh, well, we work on it. Sometimes I'm just like, no, I can't spend $10 on that one thing. I'm like, what? who am I? <laughs> or my VA will be like, or we have a piece of software that we use for project management. And I hadn't added my VA because I didn't really need her on it yet. And then one day I was like, I need you to help me with this thing. And I was like, oh, I have to add you. But it's like $800. I'm like, ah, whatever. She's like, you're wild. <laughs> She's like, you're crazy. And I was like, it's going to fray up my time to have you up there. I'll come back. And if it doesn't, I'll make more. Um, so let's talk about... Yeah. Okay. So I kind of want to go back to these operational values. Like how do we, how do we foster those? Yeah. That's hard. So, uh, it feels individual. First and foremost, um, most people look at leadership training as a bolt on to their business. Like, Oh, Ooh. Hey, once a year, we're going to go do some team building leadership training. We're going to kind of bolt on. We'll hire someone, bring them in. And that's not really how it works. Mm. Uh, leadership is baked into the organization. Uh, I believe that no matter what the purpose of your organization is, whatever your mission is, whether it be mm -hmm. financial planning or real estate or chiropractic or mm -hmm. taxes or whatever it might be, the, your actual most important purpose of your organization is leadership development. And if it's not, you are going to be a manager, which means that you are constantly begging and pleading with your people and babysitting rather than leading. Mm -hmm. So you get to make the choice, be a leadership organization or basically a professional babysitting service. Feel that. <laughs> <laughs> I deep hit you. <laughs> deep in my soul. <laughs> because I've been babysat too, right? I babysit and I've been babysat been on both sides of that. Yeah. So here's, here's the distinction between, it took me a long time to figure this out, the difference between management and leadership. Mm -hmm. And more or less management is telling people what to do or mm -hmm. teaching people what to do. And all of management is part of leadership. So, but leadership also encompasses more than management, but management more or less is figuring out how things get done, which is great and fantastic. And we need that in business. It's what's mm -hmm. called a you know, business administration, business management. It makes sense. But business is, is teaching people to do and leadership is teaching people how to think. Mm -hmm. And when you teach people how to think, they will come up with their own solutions and their own ways of getting things done. Mm -hmm. And this is how business owners eventually are able to become untethered from their business. When they, instead of having one or two people who they manage, mm -hmm. they now have three or four leaders in their organization. Not only have they got a force multiplier as far as their growth is concerned, mm -hmm. they, they basically get to escape this kind of linear growth, you know, four or 5% growth. More or less when you have a sole practitioner who's a manager, um, you don't grow any more than the capacity of that business owner. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you get an organization full of leaders, passionate, creative, committed people to the organization, you've got an, the ultimate force multiplier and you can get exponential growth out of your operations. How That's do we get we people to, to think? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to give and you, I'm going to give you the big stuff today. And that's, and that's the thing. Like we hire people because we think they're thinkers and then they don't think mm -hmm. and they yeah. refuse to think sometimes. Sometimes. 
So, you know, first of all, it starts with hiring. And one mm-hmm. of the most important questions uh, I ask when hiring somebody is, somebody is, are you a leader? Mm-hmm. And they're almost always taken back and they have to think about it a little bit. And they got some guys go, yes. And someone say, ha, and say yes, or I guess. Anybody who says yes is, you know, definitely made the short list um, in my book. It's a really important question. <laughs> if they hem and they haw, they go, well, listen, we only hire leaders in an organization. Mm-hmm. Everyone in an organization is in leadership development uh, mm-hmm. and developing their leadership skills. Ultimately, our job is to get you to be able to do for yourself without being told. Mm-hmm. That's our goal. Is that what you're up for? <laughs> hmm. I bet hmm. that takes people back a lot. They're probably it like, does. you're not going to just tell me and answer all my questions every five seconds. So it definitely starts with your hiring and your mm-hmm. onboarding. So part of the onboarding, uh, first of all, if you're thinking that you're just going to get people an employee manual and then kind of walk away, you are missing the ship. You actually mm-hmm. have got to teach them these five master values, not somebody else. It's got to be you because every time you teach it, you learn a little better. Every time you teach it, you have to live it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also it's coming from the ultimate authority in the organization, uh, which is their either their manager or Mm -hmm. the business owner. Um, And then you've got to live it. So when it comes to, for example, big mistakes being made in the organization, you have to be the first person in the meeting to say, listen, here is what we wanted to have happen. Here's Mm -hmm. what did have happen. Here was my mistake. Here's Mm -hmm. what I did personally. Mm -hmm. And you own it in Mm -hmm. front of everybody and you let everybody give you feedback on what you could have done better. Mm-hmm. Um, you actually have got to lead the way in demonstrating how to, how to be a leader. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. You know, I feel like most like employee employer relationships aren't win-win. Mm-hmm. And that seems to me to be the biggest probably hole in all of this mm-hmm. is, you know, employees are minions. Right. Right? It's one loose. It's exactly it. So I, I almost never use the word employees unless mm-hmm. we're talking about a legal situation. Like I'm actually creating a document. We're talking about the legal status of an employee. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, everyone on my team is either a team member or preferably mm-hmm. a contributor. Mm-hmm. So when you call them a contributor, you're actually acknowledging their agency, their sentience, and that they're actually bringing something to your organization which is unique and special and not just trading time for money. I'm asking for people to bring their creativity and their passion and their authenticity. Mm -hmm. And if we want people to be people bringing their best, we have to acknowledge them as such. Well, that's hard. It's hard to get people to do that. Thanks. That's that's just heavy. It's almost kind (laughs) of heavy though, right? But it should be easy. Right. You know, this is what leaders do is they lead the way and they create culture. Mm-hmm. They create a culture. So this is the norm of what happens is that we treat people like they matter because they do. Right. Rather than teaching, te- treat, treating people like a cog in the operation. Like the product they produce. Right. Correct. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard when you have so many deliverables <laughs> when you're just like, just give me the things. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> It is. It's hard. Um, so, so how do we, how do we find, I don't want to ask this. How do we find how each person should lead? Like, how do we, 
how do we say this is what you lead in like do we just ask them what they like to do or like when they've led what's the easiest way to find you know because i i need i am in the position right now where i just really need somebody who can project manage who can lead in processes and who can um you know move stuff along problem solve um things like that like how do i how, how would i find that person yeah so you know you know how you first of all get uh, your 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 i mean the the best way is for you to when you're hiring people mm-hmm. is to have such a phenomenal culture that the people who work for you want their friends to work for you so the next hire you make or if you if you're if you're a solo practitioner the hire the first hire you make is really really important mm-hmm. um, referrals are almost always best you can mm-hmm. kind of work through your social media networks your linkedin networks your friend networks and get to that person that way first that is really probably the best way if not you got to go through your advertising channels like mm-hmm. linkedin indeed monster or whatever it might be mm-hmm. to get your leads in the door what's really important as you're bringing people on uh is that you've got to make sure you distinguish yourselves as not looking like everybody else you've mm-hmm. got to make people uh want to want to come work for you mm-hmm. not just to do the job but because they're going to become better people mm-hmm. and they're going to be actually changing people's lives mm-hmm. so we spend a lot of time working on what we call the cradle the cradle are your mission vision, purpose, and meta value. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people create those things and they put them on the shelf somewhere, but they really have got to be off the shelf and on the wall somewhere and actually talked about and lived on a regular basis. Because we as human beings, even the most greedy, selfish of us, still have a deep needed desire to help other people. Mm -hmm. And so when we work for an organization that not only is making widgets or doing taxes or financial planning or real estate, we want to feel that we are making a positive difference in people's lives. Mm -hmm. That is one of the things your organization has got to do if you want to attract the best people. I like it. All right. Um, So let's talk about, because you kind of were like, are we going better? Are we going worse right now? How's humanity yeah. doing? So let's talk about some of the, just give me just like the top two biggest issues you see in organizations right now. Yeah. Well, the first one we've probably talked about already, which yeah. is people are managing rather than leading. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give you the, the leadership formula. So I get called in a lot to organizations and they say, I want to empower my people. Mm-hmm. Um, we're really excited about empower my people. And I go, we what can't does that mean? empower people. <laughs> That's partly true too. <laughs> Um, and I go, well, what does that mean? And they have, we have no idea what it means to empower somebody. All right. So um, let me ask you this, Jane. This is a fun question. Uh, do you want more um, power? Mm-hmm. Yes or no? And why? Do you want more power? Yes or no? And why? No. Okay. <laughs> I have plenty of power. Okay. I want more reach. Okay. With that power. For that power. Um, I think... I think I think I have plenty. Of power. <laughs> I think I have plenty of plenty of things I can influence. Okay. I just need to be louder about it. Probably. All right. All right. So I, I, I'm going to give you a definition, and okay. I think after I give you the definition of power, you're going to want more of it. Okay. So power is nothing more than the ability to achieve intended results. Oh well, yeah. Then I want to. I would like yeah. buckets. Thank you very buckets. much. <laughs> So a lot of people say no for different reasons. You mm-hmm. didn't say necessarily no, but some people say no for different reasons. They say, well, you know, I, I don't want to power because I don't want to be a, some kind of fat cat sitting in a corner mm-hmm. office 
taking advantage of other people, manipulating people. That's kind of mm -hmm. their vision of power. Mm -hmm. The power is just the ability to achieve intended results. And yes, there are a lot of people who have a lot of power and then abuse it. Mm -hmm. I, that's horrible and awful. We shouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. However, if you are the average person, you go, you know what? I want another week of vacation with my wife and kids every mm -hmm. year. That's more power. If you say, I want to get my car fixed and I don't know how to get a ride or I can't afford it, that's need more power. If you want a better relationship with yourself, you know, if I asked you to name every single thing that you loved and mm -hmm. you were on the list, you need to work on your self-love. <laughs> <laughs> that is a... <laughs> Ooh, that's a big one. That's a big one. Big one. Um, so, you know, if you want more love for yourself, that is an, mm -hmm. an act of power. So power is nothing more to achieve intended results. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, yes, we as employers, as leaders of leaders, mm -hmm. want to make sure that our people are able to achieve intended results. Here is the very quick three-part formula for how we do that. Uh, number one, instill and reinforce on a regular basis the mission of the organization. Uh, mission of the organization is what you do uniquely and who you do it for. And so everyone's got to have a real clear sense on what the mission of the organization is. So they're always, that kind of is one of their true norths they can always make decisions against. Uh, number two, instill a community of absolute responsibility. And we talked about that as a master mm -hmm. value already. And that more or less is every single person owns their results, period. You know, so when you look at whoever's working with a client, providing the deliverable, uh, no matter what someone did along the line before you, you own it when it gets out there and your managers, manager above you owns you and everybody else owns the outcome. Every single person is absolutely responsible for everything that happens at their level and beneath them, period. Mm -hmm. Without blame, shame, finger pointing, it's just you own it. It is what it is. And then step three is competency. And competency is not only mastery of your skill, whatever it might be, but mm -hmm. most importantly is decision-making competency. And so we as leaders have got to constantly provide transparency in how we're making decisions. Mm -hmm. And then we need to, have, when our people start coming to us and asking us for decisions, I was so bad about this when I first started. I used to just love to rifle off decisions. Do this, do this, do this, do this. I love to solve problems. And mm -hmm. that was the worst way to lead. The best way to lead now is I ask lots of questions and I do my best to not make the decision. So I ask them, you know, what's the outcome? What's the downside? Where are we headed with this? What could go wrong? And sometimes I let my people make decisions that I don't agree with just to let them own it. They make mistakes, they mess up. And then we come back and have an accountability process and mm -hmm. see what happened. And then we figure it out and move forward. Yeah, so now, I don't make, them have to make huge mistakes, but right. <laughs> I don't want them to make small mistakes. And so that's part of, you know, one of the most important jobs of a leader is coaching. And coaching is nothing more than asking lots of questions and letting people come up with their own answers. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard as a, as as a business owner or whatever, when you're just like, I just need the thing done. And it's just like one question and you're just like, I could answer that, but I want them to answer it. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. um, you know, what have, what have you, where have you already looked? Well, you know, what, what answer did you find? Uh, why is, do you not think that's the right one? Like, you know, it's just question after question. Then I get a lot of like frustrated people are just like, just give me the answer. And I'm like, <laughs> and sometimes no. you do have to do that. Sometimes you <laughs> do just have to give the answer. Yeah. And sometimes you do, but yeah. I think, you know, as a business owner, we get into this rut of just answering everybody's questions. We're just mm -hmm. making all decisions, you know, but it's, our people should be competent enough too. We do. So we're the kind of the goal is to constantly be developing your people 
through coaching, one-on-one meetings, mm. uh, such that if you do that enough investment of that in both your hiring and your development, eventually you can become untethered. Uh, and if you don't do that, you will always be tethered to the business. You, the business owns you. You don't own the business. Mm-hmm. It's your trap. It's a trap. Of your own making. Of your own making. Who I can't tell you how many people I know that are trapped in their own business, mm-hmm. including myself right now. But that's not what I want long-term. Okay. No, 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 no. So thank let's, you. Let's hire some leaders, Jamie. I need to do that. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's so funny because it's like this competency part is the thing that I struggle with the most because I was raised to be a decision maker. Right? So I'm highly, I'm highly competent. Yeah, <laughs> you, like, are, you are a high D. I can see I, it. I'm a 12 on the competency, for, you know, on competency. Where do I find eights and nines? <laughs> you know, or how do I foster eights and nines? Like, how do I grow eights and nines? A lot of it, you know, I, my wife does it. My wife mm-hmm. has a higher level center than I do. Mm-hmm. And so on a lot of times she basically, you know, it's amazing. My, I have a house with two teenagers in it and our kitchen is pretty much clean all the time. Uh, you do that by constantly enforcing your standard and not doing it in a mean way. Mm-mm. So, you know, every act of leadership, here, you got to remember the three C's. So whenever mm-hmm. you're talking with any of your people, whether it be your kids or your spouse or your partner mm-hmm. um, or your team members, you got to remember the three C's every single time you're talking to them, especially if, if there's a lot of anxiety or pressure, mm-hmm. you got to make sure you're confident, mm-hmm. you got to make sure you're calm, and you got to make sure you're kind. Mm-hmm. The three C's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you got that? Pick that yes, up. Yes, I got it. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> okay. I was like, wait a minute. I know wait I can spell. <laughs> I still call it the three C's. It's I just like a, it. It works. It, it sticks. It's very sticky that way. Mm-hmm. And so my wife on a regular basis, when my kids leave something out, mm-hmm. she pulls them out of wherever they happen to be without yelling or screaming, says, okay, where is this supposed to go? And they all know now. She mm-hmm. doesn't have to say, we put this away. She mm-hmm. basically just reinforces the standard on a regular basis. My daughter, um, my daughter's pretty sure she's also ADHD. She's nine. Um, and she has one, she has the ADHD where like, as soon as she goes through the portal or the doors, right. like whatever she was doing before is just lost to her. Oh, funny. Um, so I have her a lot of the time. I'm like, gee, just a cat. I'm like, turn around, <laughs> stop, turn around. And she'll be like, I'll be like, what were you doing? <laughs> oh, you're making messes in this room. I'm going to need you to clean that up. Before you go to your next thing. Yes. To go to your yes. Next or right. just turn around and see that trail of clothing you left behind you. Right. I'm need you to pick that up. <laughs> but I'm just teaching her. Just turn right. around, baby. Awesome. All I got to do is turn around because I do the same thing. Right. Like I'll walk out of the room. I'll come back and be like, ew, this being a cat and doing that and this other <laughs> I thing. I don't that. We right. go through the time portals. We call them the, in our house time portals or doors. Mm-hmm. Cause then it's just like that the thing where it's just like you stand up, walk in the room and you forgot what you were doing. Right. It's very ADHD behavior. So, you know, I'll walk through the portal and then be like, or my husband does it all the time. He'll be like, I just walked through that portal. No <laughs> idea where I was going. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but my daughter is just like, she's done with one thing. She's going to turn around and go do something else. And it's just like, babe, behind you. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that experiment you're doing in the kitchen, I'm going to need you to wrap it up. Clean it up for me. <laughs> She's a goofball. Before I ask you last question, easiest way to find you? 
Oh, good. Yep. Uh, I was a personal branding guy. I wrote the book, The Brand Called You. So my website address is petermontoya.com. Got it. Petermontoya.com. I uh, run a do consulting with small businesses. Mm -hmm. We have a program called the High Performance Organization in which we work with business owners mm -hmm. to actually instill the leadership and high performance culture we kind of talked about today. We talked about a lot of the principles that go into it, mm -hmm. but in the course, uh, we actually take a group together and actually implement it together. So you as a business person are no, are no longer alone. You are in a peer group, a mastermind group with other people implementing it, working out the challenges together. Awesome. All right. Last question and then we'll get you out of here. Uh, what is the one thing each business person, uh, each business owner person should do right now today to lean, to hone their leadership skills? Mm. Uh, adopt the strategy of reading two books a month. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Just read two books. books a month. So I, you know, my preference, I, I like, um, uh, nonfiction books. So I read a lot of books about psychology, business leadership, um, anthropology, uh, psychology. I, so I really like understanding how people operate. So that's mm -hmm. where I spend most of my time reading books, mm -hmm. but honestly, I don't care what kind of book you read. If you want to read 24 fiction books in the course of the year, good. At the very, very least, you're increasing your vocabulary, you're learning new content and you're learning empathy mm -hmm. it is really, really, really hard to be a reader and be a loser. It's really, it. really, really, really hard. That's the quote so, from this one. It's really hard to be a reader <laughs> and a loser. And a loser. <laughs> I love that so much. So there are, you know, the, the, the opposite, the more positive version of those readers or leaders. I just think it's so, I don't know. I've heard it know. too many times. It's true though. Um, so the more, more or less what we are as human beings is we are pattern recognition machines. Mm -hmm. We recognize patterns. We recognize patterns and we can predict what will happen when the patterns are in place. So when you read more books, it's giving your brain a more a greater field of pattern recognition. Mm -hmm. So when you walk into a scenario, you can pretty much predict what the outcome will be and you will not be on the losing end of that outcome. Yeah. I mean, as many people as I talk to, as many masterminds as I've done or whatever, like all this leadership stuff we're talking about is stuff I've heard before, but some, some bits of it are probably going to stick better than others have before. Right. Yes. Um, so I love it. Um, and I read, well, I listen, <laughs> I'm, Same a, I'm, I'm a listener that. because it just, it, I can work and listen, but thank you so much for your time today. Love being with you, Jamie. You're a great interviewer. It was a lot of fun. Love to come thank back. You. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening or watching. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, or wherever you prefer to listen. If you learned something and found some useful information to apply to your business today, please consider giving us a thumbs up and a review. Until next week, be abundant.